0: The Voluntaryist Handbook, A Collection of Essays, Excerpts, and Quotes by Keith Knight 14. No Treason, Excerpts Lysander Spooner, 1867 Lysander Spooner, 1808-1887, was an American individualist, anarchist, and legal theorist that two men have no more natural right to exercise any kind of authority over one, than one has to exercise the same authority over two. A man's natural rights are his own against the whole world, and any infringement of them is equally a crime, whether committed by one man, or by millions, whether committed by one man, calling himself a robber, or by any other name indicating his true character, or by millions. Calling themselves a government. Part 1, Sec 2. To say that majorities, as such, have a right to rule minorities, is equivalent to saying that minorities have, and ought to have, no rights, except such as majorities please to allow them. Part 1, Sec 2. The principle that the majority have a right to rule the minority practically resolves all government into a mere contest between two bodies of men, as to which of them shall be masters, and which of them slaves. A contest, that, however bloody, can, in the nature of things, never be finally closed, so long as man refuses to be a slave. Part 1. Sec 2. Clearly this individual consent is indispensable to the idea of treason. For if a man has never consented or agreed to support a government, he breaks no faith in refusing to support it. And if he makes war upon it, he does so as an open enemy, and not as a traitor that is, as a betrayer, or treacherous friend. All this, or nothing, was necessarily implied in the declaration made in 1776. If the necessity for consent, then announced, was a sound principle in favor of three millions of men, it was an equally sound one in favor of three men. Or of one man. If the principle was a sound one in behalf of men living on a separate continent, it was an equally sound one in behalf of a man living on a separate farm, or in a separate house. Part 1, Sec. 4. Thus the whole revolution turned upon, asserted, and, in theory, established the right of each and every man, at his discretion, to release himself from the support of the government under which he had lived. And this principle was asserted, not as a right peculiar to themselves, or to that time, or as applicable only to the government then existing, but as a universal right of all men, at all times, and under all circumstances. George III called our ancestors traitors for what they did at that time. Part 1, Sec. 4. The necessity for the consent of the people is implied in this declaration. The whole authority of the Constitution rests upon it. If they did not consent, it was of no validity. Of course it had no validity, except as between those who actually consented. No one's consent could be presumed against him, without his actual consent being given, any more than in the case of any other contract to pay money, or render service. Part 2, Sec 1 Furthermore, Those who originally agreed to the Constitution, could thereby bind nobody that should come after them. They could contract for nobody but themselves. They had no more natural right or power to make political contracts, binding upon succeeding generations, than they had to make marriage or business contracts binding upon them. Part 2, Sec 1. Any one man, or any number of men, have had a perfect right, at any time, to refuse his or their further support, and nobody could rightfully object to his or their withdrawal. Part 2, Sec 1. A traitor is a betrayer, one who practices injury, while professing friendship. Part 2, Sec 2. But it is obvious that, in truth and in fact, no one but himself can bind anyone to support any government. And our Constitution admits this fact when it concedes that it derives its authority wholly from the consent of the people. And the word treason is to be understood in accordance with that idea. Part 2, Sec. 3 One essential of a free government is that it rest wholly on voluntary support. And one certain proof that a government is not free, is that it coerces more or less persons to support it, against their will. Part 2, Sec. 6. The Constitution has no inherent authority or obligation. It has no authority or obligation at all, unless as a contract between man and man. And it does not so much as even purport to be a contract between persons now existing. It purports, at most, to be only a contract between persons living eighty years ago and it can be supposed to have been a contract, then only between persons who had already come to years of discretion, so as to be competent to make reasonable and obligatory contracts. Furthermore, we know, historically, that only a small portion even of the people then existing were consulted on the subject, or asked, or permitted to express either their consent or dissent in any formal manner. Those persons, if any, who did give their consent formally, are all dead now. Most of them have been dead forty, fifty, sixty, or seventy years. And the constitution, so far as it was their contract, died with them. They had no natural power or right to make it obligatory upon their children. It is not only plainly impossible, in the nature of things, that they could bind their posterity, but they did not even attempt to bind them. That is to say, The instrument does not purport to be an agreement between anybody, but, the people, then existing. Nor does it, either expressly or impliedly, assert any right, power, or disposition, on their part, to bind anybody but themselves. Part 6, Sec 1. Those who vote for the unsuccessful candidates cannot properly be said to have voted to sustain the Constitution. Part 6, Sec 2. The fact is that the government, like a highwayman, says to a man, Your money, or your life. The highwayman takes solely upon himself the responsibility, danger, and crime of his own act. He does not pretend that he has any rightful claim to your money, or that he intends to use it for your own benefit. He does not pretend to be anything but a robber. Part 6, Sec 3. The government, that is, the agent of a secret band of robbers and murderers, who have taken to themselves the title of, the government, and have determined to kill everybody who refuses to give them whatever money they demand. Part 6. Sec. 3. Every man who puts money into the hands of a, government, so called, puts into its hands a sword which will be used against him, to extort more money from him, and also to keep him in subjection to its arbitrary will. Part 6. Sec. 3. Why should they wish to protect him, if he does not wish him to do so? Part 6. Sec. 3. The Constitution was not only never signed by anybody, but it was never delivered by anybody, or to anybody's agent or attorney. It can therefore be of no more validity as a contract, than can any other instrument that was never signed or delivered. Part 6. Sec. 4. A man is nonetheless a slave because he is allowed to choose a new master once in a term of years. Part 6, Sec. 6 He has the same right to resist them, and their agents, that he has to resist any other trespasses. Part 6, Sec. 6 If the people of this country wish to maintain such a government as the Constitution describes, there is no reason in the world why they should not sign the instrument itself. And thus make known their wishes in an open, authentic manner, in such manner as the common sense and experience of mankind have shown to be reasonable and necessary in such cases, and in such manner as to make themselves, as they ought to do, individually responsible for the acts of the government. Part 6, Sec 7. But this tacit understanding, admitting it to exist, cannot at all justify the conclusion drawn from it. A tacit understanding between A, B, and C, that they will, by ballot, depute D as their agent, to deprive me of my property, liberty, or life, cannot at all authorize D to do so. He is none the less a robber, tyrant, and murderer, because he claims to act as their agent, than he would be if he avowedly acted on his own responsibility alone. Part 6, Sec. 8 I have evidence satisfactory to myself that there exists, scattered throughout the country, a band of men, having a tacit understanding with each other, and calling themselves the people of the United States, whose general purposes are to control and plunder each other, and all other persons in the country, and, so far as they can, even in neighboring countries, and to kill every man who shall attempt to defend his person and property against their schemes of plunder and dominion. Part 6, Sec. 11